We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So, <coughs> now we are on the Kandel, um, continuing Kandelvi. We are on uh, still inseparability of Sharia and Tariqah. We're at the bottom of page 32. This is session number 13. Okay, foundations of the Sharia. <laughs> The authorities of the, on the principles of fiqh, usuliyun, write that to follow the sharia, one must have knowledge of the four foundations upon which the sharia rests. They are one Quran, two ahadith, three scholarly consensus, ijma, and four, and four analogical deduction, qiyas, by which one derives rulings above the, uh, above the above three, from okay. the above three. Okay, so in a nutshell, the first two are scripture, and the second two are the primary techniques of interpretation. Okay. So Quran and Hadith you get. Uh, ijma is usually, in practice, it's vast majority. Okay. And then majority would be jumhur. And so what you'll find often is that in terms of opinions across the four schools, you'll hear you know, the jumhur say such and such, which usually means three out of the four. And then the fourth one has a different opinion. Often it's the Hanafi school that has a different opinion. <laughs> Mashallah. And so, <clears throat> and then Qiyas, which uh, I'm sure you get, Qiyas is basically saying, for example, okay, the Quran doesn't mention uh, crack cocaine. Uh, so what is the ruling on crack cocaine? Well, crack cocaine affects your mind in such and such ways, and that's how alcohol affects your minds in such and such ways. And alcohol, because of the way it affects your minds, it, um, um, you should not drink it, therefore you should not partake of crack cocaine, right? These are the, the core, core techniques. Um, and then, and then, and a lot of this is a construction from Imam uh, Ashafi. Um, because if you really get into Imam Abu Hanifa and such, um, uh, his his techniques are far far more complex than than uh, these four foundations, right? But then the next section becomes even more important: conditions for acting in accordance with the Quran. Then to act in accordance with the Quran, one must follow four things. Number one, the words of the Quran, Nazmul uh, Quran, their con conjugations and root words. There are four types: one, the general, am; two, the specific, khas; three, the homonym. Mushtalak, and for the interpreted meaning, Ma'awal, like Ta'wil. So, <clears throat> the first three especially are saying what? That the interpretation of the Quran, and you're going to see this for the rest of this list, happens by way first of looking at the language and the grammar. Yeah. And think about what that's saying. A lot of times when we read a book in the modern times, especially if it's a philosophical book, we'll try to get like the big ideas and say this is what you're supposed to do. Okay. But we, uh, what we're saying is that Allah Ta'ala has chosen these specific words. Okay. And it chose these specific words in this specific way. Therefore, to figure out what we need to do, we need to start with those specific words chosen that specific way. Mm -hmm. And that really requires knowing the language, and by language I'm saying the vocabulary and the grammar, right? The fourth one, interpreted meaning, would then get into looking at, okay, what is the, um, uh, what is the literal meaning of the word versus the actual operational definition? Mm -hmm. So a good example would be anti-Semitism. If we take the literal word of anti-Semitism, it means you're against any Semites, mm -hmm. which means all the Arabs, mm -hmm. right? But the operational definition of anti-Semitism is anti-Jewish, right? Or even Islamophobia, 
uh, Islamophobia makes it sound like you have a disease, uh, um, a literal phobia against Muslims. Uh, but that's but it basically what it means is thing anything that's anti-Islam, right? Okay, number two. The methodology Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses to present his message in the Qur'an, wujuh al-bayan. This is also four types. One, the manifest, zahir. Number two, the second type of manifest, nas. 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 Number three, the unequivocal, mufassar. And number four, the transparent, muhkam. Okay. So, <clears throat> one thing that's very central, especially in Sunni thought, is that you're looking at the apparent meaning of the word. Okay, what you find in, in other traditions, you know, in the umbrella that we call Islam, right, other tradition that self-identifies Muslim, is that from a Sunni perspective, they bypass the actual apparent meaning of the word and jump into what we call the batin and look at those meanings. Okay? And in Sunni thought, okay, these are the words Allah chose, these are the words that are the foundation, right? And so if you're saying that he actually means these other words, then you really got to prove why, right? And so that's basically what we mean by, by the, the manifest and then the second type of manifest. Nas is essentially the text, right? And then unequivocal. So when we're using the term tafsir, uh, tafsir itself is an, is an official term, right? So a lot of times when people are giving commentary on the Quran, a better word is tawil, like they're giving an explanation, bayan, they're talking about it. Tafsir is what we're talking about here, formal this is what this thing, this, this is what these ayahs are telling us. Okay. <coughs> and then muhkam, <coughs> muhkam is what you'll see. Um, those are, essentially here it says transparent, I'd say categorical. These are clear uh, um, uh, statements. They're la ilaha illallah, right? There's, or la ilaha illahu, uh, you know, or, you know, don't eat such and such, right? Very clear. That's not really. There's not really much to debate on in terms of the apparent meaning. Yeah. And then now, number three is going to get to the other side. Number three. Then these four types are contrasted with four other types. Number one, the obscure, khafi, khafi. Number two, the difficult, mushkil. Number three, the ambivalent, mujmal. And number four, the intricate, mutashabi. Mutashabi. Yeah. So think of this as almost like the opposite of the first. Right? Um, obscure, sometimes instead of khafi, khafi is hidden. Or they'll use batin. I mean, this is, you'll find this interesting. Think of an animal, you know, on four legs. The back is the vahir, that's the side you see. And in the belly, button, is the batin. So that's hidden when an animal's walking. That's basically where that idea comes from. Um, and so khafi is, what, what is the obscure hidden meaning in this ayah? So it doesn't mean there's no hidden meanings. We're basically just saying you have to start with the concrete. Just like we said before, you start with the sharia, that gets you into the haqiqah. And likewise with the definitions, of, likewise with the, with the ayat and the hadith, you start with the apparent, the vahir, and then that leads you into the batin or the khafi. If you bypass the vahir and go straight to the batin, mm -hmm. either you're just way off track mm -hmm. or you are skipping a bunch of very important steps. Mm -hmm. right? Mushkil, just like the word in Urdu. Mm -hmm. And then... And then Ambivalent, I'm trying to think of a better word than ambivalent, but um, I guess you can say it's, it's not uh, specific or conclusive. It, it's, uh, it, it's open to a wide range, right? And Mutashabi is like that ayah, you know, there are some ayat that are muhkamat, 
and then, then there's others that are mutashabihat, right? Mutashabihat would be allegorical, right, or ambiguous. Here it says intricate, which I think is an interesting translation. Okay, all right, continue. Number five, four. Number four. Knowledge of the application of the words of the Qur'an, Nazmul Qur'an, this is also of four types. Number one, the literal, haqiqi, the metaphorical. Number two, uh, number two, the metaphorical, majaz. Yeah. Number three, the plain, sarih, sarih. And number four, the elusive, kinaya. Yeah. So, think of this <coughs> as another way to frame the entire Qur'an. So, each of these is sort of, each of these Roman, uh, Roman numerals is like its own universe. So, it's not like number one, and then number two gives you uh, add more. Number three, it's like number one is one universe. Number two is another universe. Number three is a number like different layers. Mm -hmm. And so in this layer, what are we talking about? There are there are ayat that are totally clear, and then there are ayat that are metaphor, right? Um, and then there are ayat that are straightforward, and then there are ayat that are not as straightforward, mm -hmm. right? Okay, number five. Number five. Then methodology of understanding the meanings of the Qur'an. This is also of four types. Number one, the explicit meaning. Nas. Number two, the elusive meaning. Number three, the inferred meaning. And number four, the required meaning. Yeah, not the, the. Oh, okay. So basically here, um, uh, again, so one, two, and then three, four. So one, two, here's what the ayah says. Um, and then the number two, the elusive ishara. Ishara means to point, right? Just like in Urdu. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically this ayah is also leading us to something that's not in the text, that you can argue um, is not in the text, right? And then three and four, what is inferred, okay? Meaning what do we see, feel is implied, okay? And then required is, all right, this is what is, again, kind of clear, categorical. This has to be part of the uh, interpretation. It's interesting that a lot of times you will see things organized in fours and fives. Yeah. You know, five daily prayers, five pillars, uh, five primary, um, you know, um, principles in the, in the maqasid. And then, or, and then, or five qawaid, I should say. And then here you see five categories. And then you often find four um, uh, very, very common in terms of how just the tradition works. Like if they want to give you a complete universe, uh, especially in something abstract, four, 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 four. It's like a, it's like a, it's a four-dimensional view of that. Whatever it is. It? Yeah, yeah. Because so, yeah. they not possibly can't go without the other. Um, mm -hmm. That's exactly it. And so, so that's why it's 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 fascinating. You find five and four mm -hmm. repeated in this type of context. Mm -hmm. Other contexts, you see different numbers. Okay, continue. After all this, there is one more category that encompasses all the above. The category is also of four types. Number one, sources of derivation. Ma'khad al-ishtiqaq. Ma'khad, yeah. Ma'khad al-ishtiqaq. Is knowledge of the sources from which the derivation is made. Mm -hmm. Number two, knowledge of the terminological, terminological concepts of the sources of derivation. Number three, knowledge of the sequences of the sources of derivation. And number four, knowledge of the rulings derived from the sources of derivation. Okay. So, if you were to um, remember what's important to remember uh, from this for the time being, okay, um, from item number one, item number, actually, no, let's put it like this, um, where it says foundation of the Sharia, make sure you know those four, right? Quran, Hadith, Ijma, Qiyas, that's pretty straightforward. 
And then in terms of conditions for acting in accordance with the Quran, from rule number one, it's basically how is the language and the grammar. Okay. Rule number two and three and four is uh, essentially, um, should we say, yeah, rule number two, three, and four is now looking at what can we derive from the meanings. Okay. And actually, two, three, four, and five are basically what can we derive from the meanings. Okay. And then these are different techniques. And repeated is what is apparent and clear and what is not as apparent and clear. As well as what is apparent and clear, what is not apparent and clear, but that which is clear, what does it also seem to be leading to? Right. And then last, <coughs> summing this up, okay, what are your sources? Okay. What are the concepts or the terminology? Okay. What are the sources in order? And then where are the rulings? Okay. So sources, sources in order, um, um, terminology, istilah, and then the, the rulings. Okay. So what I'm saying is that I'm not ex uh, I would not be able to write out this whole list of 20 things for you uh, from memory, mm -hmm. but what are the concepts to, to gain for now? Okay, let's do conclusion. <coughs> conclusion. It is important to know when an order, amal, indicates obligation, permissibility, desirability, and when it is merely for repetition. In the Qur'an, an order may require immediate fulfillment of the order, ada, or sometimes belated fulfillment, qada, while, while at other times vice versa. Furthermore, an order can be general or restricted. A restricted order is of four types. One will find the details of this in the books of the subject of the, of the principles of Islamic jurisprudence. Okay, before getting to that next, uh, the hadith narration. So, <clears throat> why is Amr so important? Because these are things where Allah is saying to do. Right, and so one of the questions is: Is this something I have to do? Like, is this, is this permissible? Is this desirable? Is it just saying it over and over again? Like, think about how many times um, the Quran says to pray. Mm -hmm. Does that mean prayer super emphasized? Now, a lot of times it's understood that it's just a repetition. Okay. And so, why is Amr very important? Because if Allah is saying to do this, then on the day of judgment, I'm going to be held to account. Mm -hmm. Right? If I don't know the history. I'm not going to be held to account for that. But if Allah says, know the history, then I may be held to account. Right? So, so this is why these things are especially important. Now, why does this become important in our era right now? Because the approach that a lot of people who don't know much are taking with, with Islam right now is that they're looking at big ideas like equality and justice. And they're using that as the lens through which to interpret everything. Okay. Does this promote equality or not? And if it does a pro, uh, uh, promote equality, then we keep it. If it does not uh, uh, promote equality, then we say this is patriarchal, this is from the times of the past. Okay. That's very different. You're starting out with a lens and then making the Quran fit into your lens. Okay. Here we're saying the Quran, the best way we know to make the Quran our lens, the starting point is to look at the words of the Quran and look at what we can derive from the words and the sentences, the ayat. Right? So those are two very, very different approaches. Mm -hmm. And it means that sometimes they're going to contradict each other. Right? And so kind of like the discussion you and I had yesterday, which I think was after, after all this, is you know, when we look at the developments that are taking place in terms of Islam in America right now, you will see a lot of people who are focusing on using what are essentially simplistic, abstract ideas, like equality, like justice. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does justice mean? Justice is just another variation of saying equality. Mm -hmm. 
And so they'll even go so far as to say that a Muslim and a non-Muslim have equal chance to go to paradise. Then why do I need to be Muslim? Right? And, and so um, the, the goal is to try to be as close to the text as possible. Now the wrong extreme at the other end would be the literalists who say there's no metaphor there's no complexity in the meaning. There's no ishada, right? Ishada is when the ayah is giving you a hint of something else. And so they're saying, here's the ayah, here's what it says, black and white, and that's it. That's the other extreme. So one extreme is that you're starting with ideas and imposing them on the Quran. The other extreme is that what you're imposing on the Quran is you're removing all of the complexity of the text mm -hmm. and just saying, the text, you take the minimum possible interpretation, the strictest possible interpretation, literally, and then that's what you do, right? Actual practices of Islam is in between those two things. Yeah. Okay, let's read the hadith. Or if you have any questions, feel free. I mean, I was just going to say, it's just like, it's like taking the, uh, like, objective approach to the Quran versus, like, a subjective approach. Uh, I want to say yes, but explain further. Oh, I was just going to, because, like, the ideas of equality and justice uh -huh. come outside of, come, like, as a result of following the Quran uh -huh. versus, like, okay, let's try to get justice out of the Quran. Yeah. Equality. But what were you thinking? Yeah, that's it. And I was saying, let's go to the, let's now get to the hadith. Okay. Right. <clears throat> ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu said in a hadith of Abu Dawud, After you, the times of tribulation, fitan, will appear. There will be an abundance of wealth, and the Quran will be opened by everyone, a believer, hypocrite, a man, a woman, old and young, slaves and free men, will all read it. Then, all, uh, then one amongst them will say, Why don't people follow me? Though I am learned in the Quran, they will not follow me until I bring something new. Muad then uh, bring something new. Muad radiallahu anhu then said, "Save yourself from the innovations, bid'ah, because every innovation will be a deviation." Mm -hmm. Sounds like today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> kind of scary. Yep. Okay, continue. According to the above mentioned hadith, those who make who make grandiose, grandiose claims about spreading the message of Islam around the world are deviant people. Translating the Qur'an for the blessing of translation is good. However, to derive rulings without sound knowledge of the different sciences, different sciences, as quoted above, is forbidden. Rulings can only be derived when one gains complete knowledge of, in all the sciences which are necessary for der deriving rulings from the Qur'an. In Dhar al-Manthur, yeah. al it is narrated from Ibn Abbas an, that he said of the ayah, he gives wisdom to whom he wills. This is a reference to knowledge of the Quran. Knowledge is knowledge of abrogating and abrogated ayahs, transparent, muhkam, and intricate mutashabih uh, ayahs. This the chronology of each ayah, what is forbidden and what is permissible, and knowledge of the other matters of the same kind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, what is the core point to take from this whole chapter? That the Qur'an is a complex text uh, that is easy to, to misuse, even by people who might believe that they're sincere. Right. And it's not unlike, you know, somebody opening up physician's desk reference, going to the internet and deciding, okay, oh, this is what your illness is, here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Right? And both of those, the term we use is charlatan. Okay, let's stop right here. Next will be chapter two on the hadith. Okay. Any last questions or thoughts? Right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.